this fucking guy. We did. We're here. We did it. Um. Hello. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Carmen. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well. Um. Apologies I... to <laughs> everyone. Our, um. Our listeners, especially how... Alex. Especially Alex. Uh, in May, also many apologies. Yeah, we let you uh, down, guys. It let you down, guys. Uh, our audio from the episode we recorded two days ago? Yeah, it was Tuesday. No, it was Monday. Was Three days. Sure, whatever. whatever. We don't today's, know what days they are. Today's Wednesday. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, we uh, fucked that audio up real hard. No, you didn't fuck it up. I fucked it up. But we are a team. That's true. I appreciate that. We are a that. team in this endeavor. So we are this fucking guy pod. So yeah, you're right. You're that right. That audio done got real fucked. I will have to send it to you just so you can hear how bad it is. Cause it's real bad. So we, it's, it's a first here on this fucking guy. We have a lost episode. Ooh, we have a lost episode <sighs> gang. Spooky. <laughs> I know it's so spooky for us. Should we just, should we just skip episode five entirely? And then we'll call this episode six. <laughs> it's like the 13th floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have no episode five. We are planning, hopefully, to do it next week because yes. Carmen's coming in town. Yes. Yeah. And yes. in a week, we're going to forget what we even talked about. Oh, absolutely. I hardly remember it right now. I know. And I was a little drunk and you were a little high. So. Yes. Yes. Because, again, live in Colorado. Yeah, she can she can do it there. Okay. And- I just had so much wine. So it also was just a mess. Like aside from the audio that got fucked, uh, there were a lot of interruptions. We had husbands coming in and out. Yes. There were so many dog fights that occurred. Not look, we're not running a dog fighting ring. Our dogs just. Yeah. Let's be clear. We are not, no matter what the media says, we are not pro dog fighting. Yeah. That's, that's fake news. We are absolutely against it. I'll just spit out to you, everyone. <laughs> um, we just have a lot of dogs, and just, we just have a lot of dogs, and they're very needy. Yeah, we but really love guess, us a lot. I guess really the the lesson here is that we need money for better audio equipment, and that's on you guys. That's on you guys. That's when you guys specifically on Alex. Alex, I know you have a child to take care of, but like, I find it very selfish that you haven't invested in your two best friends podcast. I really don't understand what's holding you back from loving us with money. It's just honestly rude and disappointing. I mean, I hate to get into like a shout out that's negative this early in the podcast, but I mean, really. Come on, seriously. Come on, Brandon. Like, wh- what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but if you would like us to not fuck up the audio again, <laughs> I mean, it's not a guarantee. There are no guarantees on this there, podcast. You know what? It's zero. It's brand for us. So if it's le- at least fucks one thing up. 
yeah, this is a 0% guaranteed podcast. <laughs> Things might slightly improve, but that's really all we can guarantee. And not even that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, and that's even a high bar. Yeah, um, but we we do want to make things better uh we just you know we need your support and so if you care about this fucking guy and you want better quality sounds in your ear holes <laughs> then you can donate on patreon patreon.com slash this fucking guy pod it's linked in the episode description yeah and yeah. while you're on the interwebs go follow us on all the things yeah it's- do that this fucking guy or this fucking guy pod everywhere it's, it's all, real fun it's everywhere We're, we post great content such good content we are hashtag good at content we are that, i mean i would hope so since that's like what we do for a living yeah it's kind of our jobs um yeah. but we're good at content we're good at stuff we're good at some stuff i mean maybe not podcasting look this is the most episodes i think we've done even our really bad game of thrones podcast didn't wasn't this consistent yeah shout out to the long dead agency of throne that i don't think we ever actually finished we never finished it we did not do a final episode should we do a final like reunite the gang and do a final episode like a year yeah i was gonna say next year (laughs) yeah like when it's totally out of people's minds no one gives a shit anymore it's like so it doesn't you know it's not clogged like it doesn't just get lost in the fray we're not adding to the white noise of like Game of Thrones mania. The white We're Walker really pioneering noise. shit. Yes. Yes. Right. Shout out to our other two co-hosts from Agency of Thrones. Yeah. The challenge is on you guys. Alex Judd, put it on the calendar. 2020, guys. 2020. April 2020. <laughs> Agency of Thrones reunion. <laughs> That's the reunion tour. <laughs> yeah, for one episode. That's like a um, god hot piece of hot garbage. Yes. So this is at least better than that. Yeah. Um, Carmen is going to be in town next weekend. I'm so excited. She's coming to stay with me for like five days. It's going to be so wonderful. There's going to be so many hugs. So many hugs. So many snugs. Oh my gosh. So many. So much wine consumed. Oh, yes. Yes. We're going to go to a drag show. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. We're going to watch so many things with our eyeballs. So much British Bake Off. Oh, it's just, it it's fills me with so much joy watching it solitary. I can't imagine the amount of joy I will have watching it with together. You. Like, to Carmen and I love this show so much that we, we watched it together separately on Friday last week to, and we're live texting each other. It was the best. It was so great. It was so great. I feel like, when we watch it together, we're going to need, like, to go buy cakes. Just, oh. like, lots of cakes. There's going to... We're going to have our own British Bake Off. In my face. In my face, in your face. And we'll have Nick dress up like Paul Hollywood. <laughs> yes. He, he's been doing that when we when I, like, make something. He's, he'll be, like, undeproved. He's a soggy bottom. <laughs> he doesn't really even know what any of it means, which is even better. <laughs> so doughy. So doughy. Mm. Mm, massively undeproved. God damn it. I love that fucking White Walker. 
Oh, he's so great. And it's like, is he hot? I don't know. I don't know. This remains to be seen. I don't know. Also, very important, is Henry gay? I don't know. I don't know. But if he is, shout out to sweet baby Henry from Great British Baking Show. Then if he and you Michael are, need to be yes, together. He and Michael are soulmates for a lifetime and they should kiss and make adopted babies and touch penises. Maybe remake Call Me By Your Name with Henry and Michael. Oh, my God. Yes. And they go to Italy to bake shit? To bake Italian meringue. Oh, my God. We need to write this. God, we have so many movies to write. We have so many projects. We have so many fake projects. We need a project manager. Bake me by your name. Bake me by your name. God damn it. Uh, God damn it. This is truly a combination of so many fantasies. It's a little overwhelming. I have a lot of feelings. I don't know what to do with them. I don't either. You want to put them into the podcast? (sighs) Yeah, I do. Wow. So did I go first last time? Yes, but, well, I did on the last episode. Oh, that's right. So do you want to go first again or do you want me to go first? It doesn't matter. I don't care. We have no rules here. There are no rules. You can go first. Literally not. I talk so much, so you can go first. Okay. Tell me a story. I'm going to tell you the story of this fucking guy, Lady Hester Stanhope, the Desert Queen. I don't know this person. The Desert (sighs) Queen. This is coming with a lot of hand flourishes that are listed. Carmen just did the most incredible jazz hands rainbow thing combination. Wow. I'm presenting to you the story of Lady Hester Stanhope. Tell me everything. So, warning, bad bitch coming at you. Yes. Just want to put a bad bitch warning out there. So. Shout out to Lizzo. Yes! Lady Hester Stanhope is 100% that bitch. Oh, and doing it in 1776, baby. Lady Hester Stanhope, born March 12th, 1776 was the eldest child to the third Earl of Stanhope, and she was born at Chevening House in Kent. So, like, ultra-British aristocracy. So So her mother died um, in childbirth when Hester was four. She had three sisters, um, and then her father remarried six months later, and her stepmom gave birth to three sons, and then peaced out to London to rejoin the aristocracy the all the high society in london so like Mm -hmm. left all the kids with their governess and was like so hester really did not have a mama um and her father was a scientist and an inventor and spent most of his time in his laboratory and laboratory his laboratory inventing aluminium no he didn't really i just wanted to say aluminium (laughs) (laughs) don't write us don't add us like I know the phantom. I know he didn't invent aluminium. (laughs) But since Hester was the oldest child, she was one of the only kids that wasn't afraid of him. And she would like confront him and like back him down on shit. And so he spent a lot of time with her because he saw how badass she was, um, which was really like unusual for like a father and daughter at this time. Usually they like gave a shit about the sons. Right. But so while daddy stanhope really valued hester's like brain and intellect and talked with her like about a lot of subjects he was also a piece of shit um he would do things like set the house on fire to test a new fireproofing material that he developed what the fuck 
Yeah. Uh, he set the house on fire to test it. Thankfully, he invented oh. real fireproofing material and it didn't burn down. Great, right, but was... also endangered your entire family in the process. Yeah. yeah, entire endangered your entire family estate, your children, your servants, everyone. Um, so it kind of sucked. Oh my God. So he was a little bit involved in politics at the time and he was considered, quote, highly perverse by his contemporaries. Oh. And after becoming straight up hashtag obsessed with the French Revolution, he began calling himself Citizen Stanhope and tried to expunge all evidence of aristocratic lineage from the family home and then decided that his children should have none of the benefits of their aristocratic upbringing Uh. and sent them all to, like, learn how to basically be commoners. And he sent (laughs) uh, Hester, who was 14 years old at the time, to look after turkeys on the local commons to teach what? her how to like live a rag life. Um, when I was fourteen, I didn't even want to like baste a turkey at Thanksgiving. I can't imagine having to go off into the wilderness and deal and with fucking take turkeys. Care of wild birds and like make sure they're okay. And-, and birds are mean. They're fucking scary. They're dinosaurs. I don't like that. I don't either. It's very upsetting. Um. So she was. Uh, at the time that she came into an adulthood, she was six feet tall and described as very striking. Holy shit. Yeah, she was a tall lady um, with bright blue eyes. And she was like very independent and very outspoken, which was like not cool in the late 1700s, early mm-hmm. 1800s in England. They were not down with like ladies having opinions. Um, the poet Lord Byron even referred to her as, quote, that dangerous thing, a female wit. Oh, that's real her? Yes. I, I, that's, I need to paint that on a canvas. I'm really living for that quote. And he was like, he, he like loved her. Yeah. Homies. Um, so she didn't really have any lady friends. Instead, uh, she preferred to like talk politics and philosophy with like the dudes and like have a lot of dude friends rather than like talk fashion and gossip with the ladies, which mm-hmm. like. Fashion and gossip is fun, but let's get into some real shit also. So at the age of 20, so this this bitch is so awesome. She's so against convention that at the age of 20, when her father refused to give her permission to let her attend a party, she lied, said she was going to a friend's, and drove herself to the party without a maid or a chaperone. A scandalo. I'm sorry, bitch. What? Yes. I mean, this is like, what, she's 20, it's 1796. And she's like, I'm taking the car. Yeah, it was like, deuces, I've got this horse and carriage, I'm going to the party, eat a dick. I love her. Oh, she's amazing. So in 1803, at the age of 25, she moves into the home of her uncle, William Pitt, who is a former prime minister, and um, to manage his household and act as his hostess, uh and so like they would have dinner parties and have all these like politicians and like notable people of the day over and so she became very well known for like her conversational skills uh and how awesome she was and then along comes the fuck boy there's always Mm. one there's always one there's always one in every lady's journey there's a fuck boy sweet sweet lady hester's fuck boy had a great name however 
Okay. Cranville Levison Gower. That is the most British name I've ever heard. Isn't that a dope name? Granville Levison Gower. So he was a politician and he uh, was like a lover, like a kept lover to this other lady named Lady. Uh, she was the Countess of Vesperos. So she was okay. a, a very well-to-do lady. So he was like very charming, like a well-known flirt. And had just ladies everywhere just, like, fallen all over him. And our sweet, sweet lady Hester became one of the many. Mm -hmm. So he acted like he returned her affection, but he really only gave a shit about her uncle because he was a former prime minister. I could get him shit. Of course. What a douche. The worst. Um, And so lady Hester's, like, running around town telling everybody, oh, they were so in love, blah, blah, blah. He's going to marry me, all this shit. And, of course, he don't uh, because he's the worst. I hate I hate it. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the worst. So she's like, fuck everything. You're terrible. And then... A few years after this, like, romantic disappointment in her life, her uncle, who she was living with and, like, working and, you know, giving her a lot of, like, exposure to, like, life and stuff, he passes away. Mm -hmm. And uh, he made sure before he died that she was going to be taken care of. So he, she made sure that she was going to get a pension of 1,200 pounds. But she was, like, homeless now. She had nowhere to live. Living with him. So she uh, runs a small house in London and then hates it because, like, she's kind of got money but kind of doesn't. So she can't really, like, kick it with the aristocracy, but she's also not poor. She's just, like, kind of somewhere in the middle. Right. Take care of her siblings and shit. And so she's in, like, this blows. I'm going to Wales. Uh, Because her brother... uh, One of her brothers was killed at the time. And so she was just like, fuck you, London. I'm out. I am out. I'm going to Wales. So she bounces to Wales. So that brings us to February 1810. Very big turning moment for Lady Hester. She decides that she is going to bounce from England for good. She's fucking had it. It's raining a lot. It's the worst. The weather is shit. The food is terrible. The dudes are the worst. They're only interested in her for her connections. So she's like, I'm fucking out of here. She has doctor's orders to travel. How badass. Where can I get those? I would also like that. Um, So she hires a physician named Charles Marion to be her personal physician and a maid named Anne Fry and grabs her, uh, one of her little brothers, James, and they're like, bye, we're heading out on a sea voyage. We don't know when the fuck we're back. A journey. Just, we're going on our journey. We don't even got no plans. We're out of here. Bye. That's amazing. Isn't that so awesome? Doesn't that just sound incredible? Like, I'm going to take my $1,200 pension. I'm going to fucking bounce with my homies. I'm out of here. Goodbye. Just bye. I've had it with you, England. You're fucking worst. So the plan, their initial plan was to sail to Gibraltar and drop James off. And then just, like, decide from there what the fuck they were going to do. Like, roll a dice or throw a fucking dart at a map or something. Yeah, like, they're in England. It's the early 1800s. Like, just get out there and see some shit. It's crazy out there. So, while they're in Gibraltar, um, 
Lady Hester meets this dude named Michael Bruce, who is a British adventurer. That's what he is called in his Wikipedia, and goddamn it, that's awesome. That sounds like uh, what would be like a job description on The Bachelor. You know, they have like those fake job Just titles. British adventurer. That's my title. I'm going to adopt it. I'm not British. I'm not an adventurer, but I just like it. You just, you need that kind of title to have that sort of confidence. Yeah, I love it. So he's rich. Uh, like his dad came into all this money. Uh, and he's like really well educated and he's charming. And brother is 12 years her junior. And guess what? They start banging. Mm, 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 mm. Yes. That, so they, good for so he, her. He comes along on her journey. They're traveling. They're banging. They're bucking all convention and just giving not even one fuck. Love it. So they decide as a group they're going to go travel to Turkey and Greece and then just kind of like see what happens from there. So it's claimed that when Lady Hester arrived in Athens, that Lord Byron dove into the sea to greet her. That he was so excited to see her, he dove into the sea and, like, came upon their boat. That's incredible. Also, Lord Byron was fucking crazy. He was a nut job. (laughs) I read somewhere that he was rumored to, because he was just, like, duh, gay. Like, he was just, like, fucking all the dudes with, like, (laughs) get it, bro. Get all that, like, 1800s D. But he was rumored in the thing that I read somewhere to have kept, like, the pubes of his lovers. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You're welcome. That's a fun little fact brought to you by this fucking guy. (laughs) And I was like, Lord Byron, you crazy. (laughs) He's like, hold on, I gotta go write a poem. (laughs) (laughs) I have to write a really long sonnet. I'm so sorry. I'll be back. I just gotta (laughs) make some amazing world-renowned work. Ugh. So anyways, Lord Byron, we'll get to him one day because he's straight up gray and just in the funnest way. Love it. Okay, so they're running around, they're traveling. Um, So then they uh, they leave Greece and head to Constantinople, which is modern day Istanbul. (laughs) I was trying to remember the song when I was like, where the fuck is Constantinople now? But then I had to look it up and I felt real dumb. It's uh, just that song. It's just the song, but I can't remember the words. That I don't. Oh, it's it's da, 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 da. the Constantinople. Yeah. Oh my god, I just remembered it right now. Oh, <laughs> I'm not really firing on all cylinders, gang. <laughs> I gotta finish this fucking tea. Hopefully it'll give me some juice. <laughs> give me that juice. Alright, so they, uh, oh, so they are in Constantinople, and then they're like, we're gonna head to Egypt. So on the way to Cairo, they their ship gets hit by this, gets stuck in this super big storm. They're shipwrecked. They lose everything. No. So uh, the people who are left uh, row to this nearby island, and they are holding up in this abandoned windmill, and they like don't have anything. So they decide to borrow Turkish clothing. Um, but Hester's like, bitch, I ain't wearing no fucking veil. Because she ain't playing that bullshit. Nope. She instead chooses, like, a Turkish man's outfit, which is, like, pantaloons and a tunic. And I'm getting Margot Magician's vibes. Yes, very much so. And she's, like, Margot in the desert, that look. And she loves it so much. It's the look that she rocks for the rest of her life. 
She's like, this is so comfortable. These bullshit Victorian skirts and shit that we're wearing are so Corsets dumb. and stuff. I can play in this anymore. I'm rocking tunics and puffy pants and little slippies for the rest of my life. That's the uniform I want. Doesn't that sound so wonderful? It's just like wearing pajamas all the time. Amazing. I mean, you know that my life's mission is to basically be wearing things. A blanket. Of sweatpants or blankets. Mm-hmm. <sighs> really the goal of my wardrobe is to be like two clicks away from blanket at all times it can happen it's i'm moving towards it i'm making a very concentrated effort so back to miss lady hester so she's traveling the middle east and everywhere she goes she is just treated like royalty and received with like celebrations because a Hardly anyone in that part of the world at that time had ever seen a European before. Right. She was just a fucking badass and like rode hard with her crew at all times, like had all her fucking gear in her trunks and shit. So people. Yeah, she's just rolling up like, sup. Just rolling deep with a squad. Uh, so she was even hailed as a queen in Damascus because she rode in completely unveiled in the middle of the day and was like, what's up? I'm here. And they were like, this bitch must be somebody. (laughs) And like, she became so famous in that part of the world that when she went to Jerusalem, holy sites were like completely cleared out for her to then visit. (gasps) That's amazing. And she was just like, I didn't tell anybody I was a queen. Like, if they assume it, who the fuck yeah. am I to tell them I'm not? Yeah, I don't want to disappoint my subjects. She's really just living her best life. So she's traveling, she's seeing shit, she's going all over the Middle East. Um, and we're now to 1813. We're at the age of 37. This motherfucking badass queen decides that she wants to go to Palmyria, which is in present-day Syria, and it is the ancient kingdom of this uh, queen from way back in history called Queen Zenobia. And everybody's like, girl, you don't want to do this. It's dangerous as fuck. It is a 60-mile unmarked journey through the desert. There's fucking Bedouin fighters everywhere. Like, do not do this. And she goes, (laughs) Dib says... She dresses it. up and takes her 22 camel caravan into the desert. What the fuck? Bring in the squad. Bring in the trunks. Bring in all the gear. Don't give no fucks. Don't give oh, no fucks. Oh my god. She's incredible. She is so badass just doing this that the Bedouins are so impressed with her that when she arrives in Palmyria... They hail her <laughs> with a celebration. She's received <laughs> Emir and dubbed Queen Hester oh. and becomes the first European woman to ever step foot in Palmyria. Holy shit. So now this bitch is known as Queen Hester all throughout the Middle East. They're like, this white woman is running around doing all kinds of wide shit, going everywhere, like come to see how we live. She's amazing. I love her so much. Yeah. And after her dad was like, you're going to go live without any titles. And she's like, bitch, I'm going to go get my own title. Make my titles. Thank you so much. I earned them from being a true badass. Why don't we know, like, why don't people know about her? Why isn't there an amazing movie with her? 
can get to that. Okay. Okay. Um. So her sweet, sweet lover, 12 years her junior. Oh, amazing. Get that D girl. So later this same year, so we're talking 1813, she's 37. Michael bounces back to England after learning that his father has passed away. Um, and Hester kind of is under the impression that they're going to have this great long distance relation. They're going to do works. letter writing thing. And Michael, this motherfucker who's just spent like crazy amounts of time with her, like three years on her dime, traveling the world, going and seeing all kinds of awesome shit, writes her. I want to get this right so that you will be properly appalled. Wrote her three times over the year and a half after his return. And that was it. Are you fucking kidding me? Michael, eat a bag of dick. That's yeah. so fucked up. British adventurer on The Bachelor. That sounds like some fuckboy shit. I, that's giving me a lot of uh, flashbacks to like every relationship I had before Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that. I really do. I identify a lot with that. Oh, poor Hester. She is like heartbroken. And there's nothing back for her in, in England. And she's now considered this like scandalous fallen woman because of her affair with Michael. She's a fucking queen. So, yes, that's exactly it. She decides, fuck you, England. I ain't never coming back. I'm kicking the Middle East for good. So she decides Middle East, that's her, that's her area, that's where she's gonna stay. So despite that, uh, so baby Hester's pension, her 1,200 pounds, should have gone like real far in the Middle East. Um, but sweet, sweet Hester is really used to living and traveling in style. Yes. Girlfriend had an aristocratic upbringing she doesn't do things by half measures plus she would take in and care for any british traveler that like came her way because uh, there's like no other british people yeah. that area at the time she's like i got you yeah i got you come kick it with me let me show you some shit um and uh she would take in like refugees from like uh clan warfare that was happening in the area and like take care of people um, and then in 1815, there's this fun Indiana Jones expedition that she takes to Syria. Oh, this is good. So good. So in 1815, <laughs> it's just so fucking good. So she decides that she is going to hunt down this hidden treasure that is supposedly under the ruins of a mosque in Gaza because <laughs> of a medieval Italian manuscript from a monastery that she deciphered. What? So homegirl sets out sure. to go, you know what? I am not an archaeologist. I am not a fucking scientist, but I read this goddamn manuscript from an old-ass monastery, and it says there's hidden treasure, and I'm gonna fucking find it. <laughs> so... My girl spends some money. Uh-huh. So she gets to she gets to Syria, somehow persuades the Ottoman authorities and the Sultan to allow her to excavate the site on the promise that like whatever crazy ass gold she finds, she's gonna give to them. And uh she officially becomes the first 
archaeological dig in Palestine. Holy shit. Good for fucking her. Oh my god. Get it. So while they didn't find any gold or any of the treasure that was rumored to be under this this mosque, they did find a headless, seven-foot-tall Greco-Roman statue. What? But because so many other, like, Brit uh, archaeologists and scientists and shit were coming over and, like, taking relics back to Europe with them, she had the statue destroyed to prove to the Ottomans and the Sultan especially, like, that she wasn't like all these other shitty British explorers and uh, to gain, like, their favor. Wow. So she had, like, a priceless historical artifact smashed to pieces. Just She's like, I like you guys. That she Trust was a woman of her word. Fuck. Hardcore. Straight up hardcore. Like, I'll destroy a fucking Greco-Roman statue that God knows is how old or fucking when it was put here. Yeah, but it. it don't matter. Goodbye. Bye. So after this like crazy expedition, uh, Queen Hester's, you know, getting into middle age and her and her maid and Dr. Marion settled uh, on the Mediterranean coast, kind of near where like modern day Lebanon is now. Uh, But in 1828, her maid died, which was like a major bummer. She had been with her for like 15 years and then soon after that, sweet, sweet Dr. Charles decides to bounce uh, in 1831 to go back to England to start his own family because he had just been, like, traveling with Hester all of these years. Right. Um. So now sweet, sweet Hester is, like, alone. She's, like, isolated. She's living the fuck out in nowhere Lebanon. So she kind of retreats even more and uh, starts living in this remote abandoned monastery in the mountains. So some of her daddy's tendencies start to kind of kick up. We're mm. looking at a very Daenerys type situation here. Mm. Uh, so Queen Hester starts to go a little mad. Um, she starts believing that uh, this prophecy that a fortune teller told her that she would be someday crowned the Queen of Jerusalem in oh. a new messiah. Oh, honey, no. So she's, like, real committed to this. Um, She has an Arab mayor that she feeds Sherbert to on the reg. Sherbert. Yeah, Sherbert. Mm-hmm. And she begins hating England, like, fuck you, England, you're the worst, and starts a letter-writing campaign to the newly installed Queen Victoria, telling her how to govern. Oh, no. So... Sweet, sweet lady Hester starts losing a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, she finds out that uh, her brother James, who we know from the beginning of the journey, committed suicide. (gasps) And she becomes, like, completely despondent and isolated. And after that, never steps out of the walls of her home ever again. So from the mid-1830s on, uh, there's not a whole lot known about her other than the fact that she just withdrew more and more. Um, But she was still a fucking badass, writing in 1937, quote, my body is nothing. My heart is as full of fire as ever. 
badass. But so sad though. It's so sad because she's such a fucking badass, but she's got like fucked up family family heritage. Like clearly her brother was suffering from some mental illness. Yeah. Like there's you know, the fucking aristocracy's all inbred and shit. God knows what kind of genes were in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so she finds herself just like isolating more and more and growing deeper and deeper in debt because she's got all these servants and her pension has been cut off in 1938. So her servants started like stealing possessions to recoup their wages. And so she here again is becoming more and more eccentric. Uh, she started receiving visitors only after dark and would only let them see her face and her hands. Mm. And one of her last letters to uh, Dr. Charles said, remember, all is written. We can change nothing of our fate by lamenting and grumbling. So still a badass. Wow. Respondent and knows that like shit is going sideways, but still is like, ain't nothing to be gained from vision. Right. What a last. I know. Amazing. So her last recorded act was to order the construction of a wall sealing her in her home. Like I said, Queen Hester don't do shit by half measure. (laughs) Uh, She passed away several days later on June 23rd, 1839, completely impoverished and alone. Mm -hmm. And after her death, the British consul went into the monastery where she was living tore down the wall went into the monastery and found her quarters completely full of junk so order the baby caster got into some quarter tendencies as well Hmm. so remember how you were saying like why don't we know about her yeah so she would have been completely forgotten to history totally and completely lost uh but dr charles who traveled with her for all those years wrote three volumes of memoirs about his travels with Hester. Oh my God. Leaving the entire world. Oh, he did this in 1846 is when they were published. So like several years after her death and it exposed the world to this like badass lady who just gave zero fucks about like crazy regimented British society and was like, I'm out, went out to the middle East and did awesome shit over a hundred years before (gasps) Lawrence of Arabia girl connections what a good friend uh dr charles to be like everyone needs to know about this woman yeah like even like her obituaries like didn't really know what to say about her because she died in such poverty and like had fallen from grace and was like considered this like shameful woman by british that i so even like the obituaries about her were like weirdly vague and dr charles was like no. no motherfuckers let me set the record straight and so he released three volumes of memoirs about her and that's how like people got to know about her story that's amazing yeah were there any movies made about this um i think that there were let me get her we, if not or if there were just bad movies made we should write a good movie about her yeah because she's amazing uh, oh, shit, I just hit the desk. Sorry, listeners. Apologies <laughs> that the weird noise that just happened. Or it would um, be a really good TV show. Yes. So she, uh, let me see. I feel like I saw a movie in here somewhere. Um. Okay, so she was... Um, she's referenced in a lot of, like, classical works. Um. So, um... Louisa May Alcott's novel, Rose in Bloom, mentions her in chapter two. 
uh, William Henry Davenport Adams nonfiction book, uh, Women Travelers of the 19th Century. There's an entire chapter devoted to her. Uh, she's referred to in Georgette Heyer's romance novel in 1958 in a, a chapter. Uh, so there's like lots of things that she is like mentioned or referred to in, but there was a 1986 TV movie oh. um, that had a character very loosely based on her called, <laughs> called Harem. Oh God. Oh. There was a television movie in 1995 called Queen of the East. Oh, starring Jennifer Saunders. I love her. Oh. Um, and then there was a 2014 graphic novel um, that, oh, <laughs> not about her, but, it describes an abandoned Canada set attempt to produce a television biopic about, sorry, biopic uh, about uh, Lady Hester Stanhope's travels. So yeah, we need to write one. So we need to. Okay. So everyone, we're writing this TV show. Um, It's our idea and you can't have it. Sorry. TM. Copyright. Yep. It's ours. Uh, uh, Right. It's our our show now. Mm -hmm. HBO, are you listening? Yeah, doesn't this sound amazing? I mean, really, just so that we can have an excuse to feed a horse sherbet. Yeah. A reason to write this. I mean, I'm sure they'd like it. Sweet. Yeah. You can give horses sugar cubes. Why not sherbet? Come on now. I feel like they'd be down with it. And you know that that horse was inside the house. You're not feeding a horse sherbet outside. No, it has like, you know, gilded uh, horseshoes and shit. Yeah, you know that horse is kicking in the house. It's got like a braided mane. Oh, it's so beautiful. Because she's like living in Lebanon. You know that horse is just like kitted out. Just so gorgeous. But yeah, Lady Hester Stanhope doing shit 100 years before Lawrence of Arabia, who everybody fucking knows about because he's a Jew. Although history is pretty incredible. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it is. It is. There's wow. a lady who lived a hundred years before that and did fucking awesome stuff that and no one knows about because of the patriarchy. Oh yes, but that's where we're gonna write an HBO show about it, and it's gonna be so gritty. Yes, gritty <laughs> and sexy. So gritty. Great costumes. The best. Oh my god, who should play Lady Hester? She's six foot tall, straight gang. So we need someone like statuesque. I want like an unknown. Oh really? See, I'm thinking like a. See, Lady Mary from Downton Abbey is not the right skin tone for this, I'm feeling. Mm. But someone of that stature. Yes. Michelle Dockery, sorry. I did mean to call you Lady Mary Michelle Dockery. She would be good at that, too. She would be great. Ooh, what about that girl who's in the new Terminator? Who's been in, like... (gasps) Mackenzie Davis! I love her! Yes. Oh... Yes, a million percent Mackenzie here. Uh, Mackenzie Davis. I love her. I'm so obsessed with her. Um, did I and she's got you? striking blue eyes. Yes, and she's like super tall. Oh, She would be perfect. She's so good. I interviewed her. <gasps> Stop it! Yeah, I interviewed her the same time when I interviewed Dana Radcliffe and blacked out. <gasps> um, I had interviewed her just before I interviewed Dana Radcliffe. And it was on the red carpet of that movie, What If, that, like, rom-com that they were in. And she is so stunning. Oh, she's gorgeous. so tall. And just, like, she was super nice. I'll just send the photos to you. 
Oh, I love her. She was amazing. She's so good in Halt and Catch Fire, which, like, no one has ever watched. I've I never... haven't watched it. It's amazing. Oh, God, Lee Pace. So I love Lee Pace. He's so beautiful. And his sexuality in the show is very vague, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Mackenzie Davis is incredible. And it's just so, so good. And no one's ever seen it. And it's so great. I could talk about Mackenzie Davis for like four years. She's amazing. That show to my cue. It's incredible. And it's it's, uh, all of it was shot in Atlanta. Amazing. You know, the science teacher from Stranger Things, he's in it. And he's Atlanta. Wow. He's an Atlanta-based actor. I saw him do dinner theater one time. (laughs) In Atlanta. And I was like, oh! Then he was in Strange Guy. And I was like, what? <laughs> Go Atlanta. We're doing it. Okay, oh. it's your turn now. Okay, well, I'm glad that your story was um, amazing and uplifting because mine's a real bummer, as usual. Oh, good times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because it's October and I'm liking things creepy uh i'm gonna tell you i know i'm sorry okay let's do this i don't i don't know if this is as bad or worse as the last episode but oh Oh, no okay i i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm gonna preface this with Caitlin knows I don't like scary things. I don't like murdery things. Yet she somehow feels the need to tell me these horrific stories. It truly, truly terrifies me. I'm sorry. I am such a little bitch when it comes to scary things. I don't like scary things, but I do like murdery things. I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, this one's not, it's not great. Cool. <laughs> Here we go. I might cry by the end of this. All right. All night. You might. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about this fucking guy named Carl Tanzler. I don't like him already because his name is Carl. I know. Okay, so Carl was born in 1877 in Dresden, Germany during the Imperial Germany era, which I don't really know what that is, and I didn't look it up, so. So were they, like, just, like, doing a bang-up job or something? They were just, like, really killing it? I, it was, like, pre-World War One. Okay, yeah, so they were just, like, really doing it up. Yeah, so then before World War One happened, he somehow ended up in Australia, and according to his autobiography... The Trial Bay Organ, a product of wit and ingenuity by Carl von Kossel. That's a title. It is, and we'll get to that. He was sailing from India to the South Seas Islands, but he was like, I'm going to make a quick pit stop in Australia and like resupply and learn about like the weather and stuff en route to these islands. But he somehow gets, like, really into engineering and, like, electrical work and stuff and just decides to hang out in Australia for, like, 10 years. Okay. Okay. That's a that's a big decision, Carl. Yeah. And, I mean, I've never been to Australia, but I heard it's amazing and, like, I get it. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I could see myself doing the same thing. Yeah. Just, like, go and be like, this is yeah. cool. Not the electrical um, engineering part, but the other part. Right. 
so he at this time accumulated like property and he had boats and an organ like a piano organ and <laughs> thanks for the clarification and and he also casually had an island in the pacific that's the literal dream right um but then world war one broke out and british officers um at this time were put into internment camps um, for their safety in Australia. For real? Yeah. Well, I guess I, we did it with the Japanese during World War II, so. Yeah, I don't really know. I didn't want to get into all the war logistics and stuff because I just don't really care. Um, but that they said it was, like, for their safety. So it was, like, all of these British officials... Um, were put in these camps that seems it's real sketchy <laughs> yeah yeah whenever so, you're corralling a group of people and putting them in a place that's not it's not good it's not don't, a good look don't do these things no it's just not a good look for anybody so he was sent to this place called trial bay again trial bay doesn't sound like a place for your safety it sounds like where you would be imprisoned before a trial. Yeah, that sounds like a place where you go to, like, fight to the death. Yeah, and so this place was basically a prison. Like, it was a castle on some cliffs. But it was a prison. Even yeah. though they said they weren't prisoners. But then I saw this thing that was like, after the war, all the prisoners were sent to Holland to a prisoner's exchange. Yeah, sounds like so. a prison. Yeah, seem, seems like a prison. Um, so, and maybe it's because he was, like, a German in Australia. Like, I'm not really sure. But, like, he was somehow, he was, like, involved with the military of some kind. So, I don't I don't really know. There's not a lot of detail about, like, besides what's in his autobiography. Seems um, like good old Carl was just really getting swept up into some situations. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so he was finally free, and he goes back to Germany in 1920 and married a woman named Doris Ann Schaefer, and they had two children, Aisha and Clarista. <laughs> There's some wild names. <laughs> so wow. then he's like, you know what? I'm going to move to the United States, specifically Florida, in 1926, because okay. um, that's where his sister had emigrated to. So. He goes to kick it with his sister and his wife and daughters join him later. But then just a year later in 1927, he's like, goodbye and pieces out from their home in Zephyr Hills and moves to Key West by himself. Okay. So Carl's not a real stand-up dude. No, he's just like, I'm out. So he becomes um, a radiology technician at the United States Marine Hospital in Key West but this time he's going by a new name of Carl von Kossel. And he claims this name came from a trip to Italy that he had where he was visited by an alleged ancestor, the Countess Anna Constantina von Kossel. And he says that she revealed the face of his one true love to him in a vision and that it was of an exotic, dark-haired woman. Cool. So he makes it his mission to find this woman. So how how old is good old Carl? So 
this, this point is, in the 20s? Uh, he was born in 1877, and this is 1927. So, so he's many? getting up there. Yeah, he's getting up there. So find this woman he did. Carl's working in the hospital, as oh, again, no. as a radiology technician. Which sounds a- super sketch in the 20s. It, yeah, it's basically like the people who do x-rays. Yeah, but like back but, in the day, they didn't know about about stuff. They didn't know anything. They're just like shooting you with radiation, just pumping you full of it. Yeah, and like let's see those bones. They're like, here, take some shots of uranium. You'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, we're gonna. We're, it's gonna really help highlight the bones. Yeah. Oh, we should. I should do the radium girls, which is another thing. Like that's. It's, we'll talk about it. You don't um, like it. <laughs> so, okay, on April 22nd, 1930, he meets uh, Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, who we'll call her Elena. Um, she came into the hospital with her mother for an exam, and she was like 21 years old. And immediately, Carl is like, that's the woman from my vision and instantly becomes a fucking creep. Oh no, I don't like this. I don't like where this is going. And you're not gonna. Um, Great. So Elena was, uh, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which had killed pretty much like all of her family members, except for a handful. But Carl was like, don't worry. I can totally fix this fatal disease that no one has cured yet, even though I'm not a doctor, I'm a radiology technician. And they're like, cool. So he starts um, treating her and giving her a bunch of medication. And he starts showing up to the home of the family with like all these meds. And he even brought an x-ray machine and electrical equipment to her fucking house. Like, that would be hard now. It would be hard now, and this is, like, old-ass machinery. Like, I don't don't understand how No, that's, like, old-timey as hell. Yeah. So he basically creates this, like, mini hospital in her house, and her parents think, like, okay, he's he really cares. He's, like, taking care of this. He's going to save her, blah, blah, blah. And she's, like, this is kind of weird. But then if that weren't creepy enough, he starts bringing her gifts like clothes and jewelry. And then he professed his love for her. And she was like, message read. Delete. (laughs) And she never reciprocated, but this did not stop him. He still was like, this is the woman who's my soulmate, even though she doesn't like me at all. And, oh, yeah, she's dying from tuberculosis. Wait, and how old is she? Did I miss that? She, when she met him, uh, she was 21. Oh, bummer. Oh, all of this is a bummer. It's so bad. Uh, So, sadly, on October 25th, 1931, Elena passes away from tuberculosis. And... Wait, okay, you're telling the wait, you're you're setting this up as if it's not the end of the story. It's not. It's not. Oh 
Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. Continue. (laughs) Y'all, Carmen is so bummed right now. I'm really having a hard time. I'm sorry. It's okay. Continue your story. Okay. So Carl told her family that he would pay for her funeral if they let him build a mausoleum in the Key West Cemetery. And they're like, sure, funerals are expensive as hell. That'd be great. So he constructs the this massive mausoleum in the Key West Cemetery. Um, and the family, what they didn't know was that he was using the mausoleum to go hang out with her corpse every single night. Because he had a key made to go inside the mausoleum. You know, I was, I was yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I'd say that's right on target with where I thought this was going. Uh-huh. So he claimed that her spirit would visit him and he would like serenade her with these songs that she loved. And Carl was like real committed to his corpse love. And, uh, Two years later, after visiting her corpse every single night in the mausoleum, he was like, this isn't enough for me. So he goes to the cemetery at night, removes her body from the grave, and brings her corpse home in a toy wagon. And just, like, everybody's just cool with this? Like, nobody's like, hey, bro, what you doing there? No one knew. Because he, like, went in the middle of the night to this mausoleum. Okay. So her family, her family didn't even know that he had, like, a key to get into this mausoleum. He had, like, made some, like, secret entrance or something. So he later claimed that she told him to take her from the grave because her soul was unhappy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. As mm-hmm. corpses do. Yeah. Um. So this is... This is the worst part, and I'm so sorry. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're gonna do this to me. Yeah. It's gonna get weird. He's taking it home. It's not gonna get better. Yeah. It just, it only goes downhill. Um. So he takes Elena's corpse home, and in order for him to feel like she was really there, he attaches her bones together with wires and coat hangers. He had glass eyes made, and he replaced her decomposing skin with plaster of Paris and silk cloth coated in wax. And then he made a wig out of her own hair that he said Elena's mom gave to him, but no one really knows what happened with that. And then he stuffed her body with rags for it to keep its shape. And, like, dressed her up in outfits and, like, jewels and stuff. Oh, made her... real bummer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. So, also, in addition to being a radiology technician, he's also an aspiring uh, taxidermist? Sure, but, like, not a good one. Oh, yeah. So he making made... it real hard to root for you, buddy. He made like a marionette puppet that yeah. he he kept this in his bed and then would like hang 
her from the ceiling so that he could like dance with her, which we'll talk about again later. This is going to haunt my I'm sorry for weeks. I am going to be a 34-year-old woman sleeping with the lights on for weeks. It's so bad. It's so bad. Now, also keep in mind, this is two years after she died. So So there's like not even a body anymore. It's just like bones. And like preserved. He so he used all these like preserving agents and disinfectants and perfume to like cover up the smell. There are photos which I'm not gonna ever have you look at and it's Please don't. It's it's horrifying um and there wasn't concrete evidence of necrophilia but there are two physicians who later attended her official autopsy which we'll talk about that 30 years after the fact claimed that there was a paper tube in the vaginal area and so, but other other people are like really skeptical, but like he kept a fucking corpse. Like I'm pretty sure he fucked it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just I don't yeah. feel like you take a corpse to your house and that like, you're in love with. Yeah, and just like dress it up and go through all of that if you're not doing other weird shit. Yeah. So, I feel like he definitely was a necrophile. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wish y'all could see Carmen's face right now. She's so upset. I'm really sorry. I'm not even joking when I say this is going to give me nightmares for <laughs> so weeks. I'm sorry. I'm a grown adult human. I'm going to have straight up nightmares. Um. Okay, so... Seven years later, seven. Seb, you said seven. seven, as in it's now nineteen forty. Yeah, it's now nineteen forty. Fucking hell! God so damn it! This <laughs> is the yeah. worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he's been living with her corpse for like nine years. Yeah, yeah. Um. So somehow Elena's sister had heard rumors about this whole situation. How, yeah, that's uh, how did no one know? Well, he didn't. He, I mean, he spent like all of his time with this corpse. I, like, I can't imagine that you're like going to work and. Or maybe he was still living a normal life aside from this fact and like people smelled thought he smelled weird and just kind of like a suit I don't know but it was also like it's the 1940s it's not like people are openly talking about you know that creepy x-ray dude who fucks a corpse right oh god (laughs) so so she's like what the fuck and she decides to go to his house to confront him oh girl mm -mm. that's how every horror movie starts don't do it (laughs) don't you do it so uh, when she gets there to confront him, he was dancing with Elena's corpse in front of an open window. And, oh, 
homegirl immediately calls the police, which is the correct response. Good on you. Good on you, girl. Don't you fucking go in that house. You ain't coming out. Never go in the house. Never go in the house. But an open window? That's a ball. Well, I guess it had to have smelled really bad in the house. So, like, you'd have to have the windows open. Or did he just really get super confident after all that time? It's been so many years. So long. I don't even like it when the garbage is in the house for too long. No. That's distressing. It's like, but a whole ass corpse. (sighs) Okay. So, um, the police show up and arrest him. And he's charged with, quote, wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Yeah, like... Yeah, but, well, okay, that's... But that's it. He, so what he did was super fucked up and weird, but what... Yeah, like, what do you charge that person that, with? That, was, that was the only... That was the only crime. Like, clearly this is a person that needs to be watched. Yeah. Like, you like, need to be so, on some kind of list. Yeah, and I guess... I don't... I haven't looked it up, but I don't know if at this time, like, it was illegal to, like fuck a corpse or like desecrate a body because the literally the only thing he was charged with was like destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization so so is that like a fine right okay so Uh there was a there was a trial and he was deemed mentally competent no Uh, unacceptable unacceptable (laughs) no but get this the case was dropped because the statute of limitations ran out. No. Mm-mm-mm. No, I don't find this an acceptable ending. Statute, uh, statutes of limitations are such bullshit. Oh, God, absolutely. I can't I, believe that that's still like, a thing. I understand the thought behind it. Okay, like, you don't want, you know, if you're in a car accident, you don't want someone 30 years down the line to sue you but um but like statutes of limitations i just especially in situations like this that are so fucked up or like rape and like there's no statute of limitations on murder nor should there be with kids yeah it's like they're like clearly there are a lot of things that should not have a limit on when a person can be charged no, that makes me so mad. That's like when that's when people get murdered. Like that's when like straight up like revenge murder happens. And I yes. feel like that's justifiable. <laughs> that's when like vigilante shit happens. Mm-hmm. And I it's it's okay. I'm like, yes, it. yes. Straight up shoot this dude in the face. Like we don't need him. He's no. not He's not helping anything. He's, He's not, not adding benefiting anything to the, the community. No, like we're we're better without you. Let's like let's just get you out of the gene pool. Let's just yeah. let's just remove you. Yeah. So um so Carl is free to go. Wow. And live his life. And okay. You would think Elena at this point would be able to rest in peace, but no. Her body was examined and they did this like big autopsy with a bunch of physicians and like because they were fascinated by the way that he had preserved her. So they wanted to study that. 
And then she was put on public display and over 6,800 people came to see her. What? What's the justification for that? I literally don't know. That's wild. I don't know. I think at this point, yeah, at this point, like, I think it was, you know, like a circus spectacle. People were like, we have to go see this weird corpse, like just because it had been preserved and like he did so many creepy things. So I think it became like a thing, which was really sad for Elena and her family. Um, she was eventually buried in a secret location in an unmarked grave. So thank God no one knows where that is except her family. And then to make things even worse oh, as cool. if it, it could. Worse. So this was like a media frenzy And the general public thought that Carl's actions were romantic. No. No. Isn't it so sweet that he loved her so much that he stole her corpse and made her a marionette doll and then fucked her corpse for 10 years? Are you fucking serious? Everyone was like, oh my god, that's so sweet. She didn't love him back. She didn't want to be with him. She rejected him. And he's like, no, I love you. And I'm going to take your fucking corpse. Oh, that's distressing. What is wrong with dudes? Like, if, okay, to every guy listening, one, I'm not saying you're going to go steal a corpse and fuck it. That's not the issue. But the issue is that if a woman rejects you or says no, just leave it at that. You do yeah. not, you don't get, you don't have the right to like force her into something. It's like, just accept that she's not into you and Take move it on the, the chin. fuck on. Move Take it on, on the chin and life. go on about your life. You do not get to steal her corpse when she dies or kill her or any of that like no you don't get to turn her into some creepy marionette doll because your fucking great great ancestor came to you in a vision one time i mean like that's real specific but yes also yes like if somebody says no if anybody says no men or women just it's a no yeah just like all right it's not that hard yeah like you know, fucking Ryan Gosling doesn't want to sleep with me. He doesn't even know I exist. And I'm like, I'm not going to go murk him. No, I'm not going to go steal locks of his hair. No. Like a fucking weirdo. That's, I'm like, that's, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. I'm, I'm able to successfully go on about my life. Yes. I've been rejected many times. Yeah, sometimes it happens. It's all good, dude. It happens. It's fine. You will move on, and you'll live, and it'll be okay. Like, clearly Carl was not a well man. He was not. Even though he was deemed mentally competent, he was certainly not. So what what happens to Carl? What happened to Carl was he just moved on to... um, He moved on to another corpse? No, no, no. Okay. At least there's that. He's still hung up on Elena. Um, He moves to Pasco County, Florida in 1944, um, which was nearby, like, his old family, who he left and abandoned. 
Um, and he created a life-size effigy of Elena using a death mask, which is um, basically a mask that looks like someone. And he put it on this life-size effigy and lived with it until he died in 1952 at the age of 75. Ugh. And that is Carl fucking Tandler. So just like he... Mm. Mm. That was a lot. I know. I'm sorry. That was a lot. That was that was a lot for my little soul to yeah. handle. Uh, I don't know what to do with this information. I know. It's so bad. It is so bad. Like, how are these people just, like, out roaming the world? Just, like, uh, just living life, sucking up oxygen, eating food. Just It really makes you wonder, like, people you pass on the street, like, what are you up to? Yeah. Folks, be cray. One, I can't get around the idea that she was like, no, not interested. And he forced his way into her life, the remainder of her life, and then into her afterlife. It's yeah. truly awful. Like, it's truly the worst of, like, white male mm-hmm. ego mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah yeah it's it's the worst uh and you know what the real fucked up thing this is not the only story like that out there god damn it god damn it no there are like a lot of dudes that did this kind of shit that steal corpses that like yeah keep corpses and like fuck corpses and stuff oh okay Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> God damn it. I'm so distressed. I'm going to do something nice, like, next time. I'm so distressed right now. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm going to have to go drink so much to forget this. I know. Look what you have done. I'm sorry. I love you so much definitely next episode i'm making you cry please please make me cry so i can feel things do it (laughs) you fucker oh god i know was do you feel like this was worse than the last the lost episode yeah this is worse worse. than the lost episode this is definitely gonna haunt my nightmares (laughs) yeah uh, it's going to be some real, real world ones. And when I can't sleep at three in the morning, call me. I'm texting you. Yeah. This is your fault. That's fine. Like, you you got to listen to this wild shit. Now I can't sleep. This is on you, bro. Hey, I am all for that. Okay. It's happening. That's just what friends do. <laughs> we traumatize each other. And then we're there for each other. The healthy... <laughs> I'm going to have to clean up this trauma. This is on you. I don't have the meds for this. I know. I know. Just like smoke a joint. You'll be okay. No, that's going to make it worse. (laughs) It'll make it so much worse. The nightmares will just become more vivid. (laughs) Oh, God. Jesus Christ, no. 
holy hell, that's supposed to be for fun times. Yeah, not Nightmare City. No. We're going to try and find some way to connect these two awful things, but Jesus Christ, there's not one. Visions. Sure. Because she, your Hester had a vision. She did. She thought she was going to be the queen with the new Messiah of Jerusalem. Yeah, and Carl had a vision that then he started calling him Count von Kossel or whatever. So yeah, fake royalty. Yes, there we go. There. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. Uh Wow. All right. I'm that- sorry, listeners, that you had to hear that in your yeah. ear holes. I'm um, sorry. You, we now share the same trauma. You're welcome. So, but Carmen's the only lining. one that can text me at 3 a.m. Yeah, no, you're totally getting everybody's DM. <laughs> DM this fucking cup pod when you can't sleep and tell Caitlin why. And I won't respond because I am <laughs> not a community make manager. Her look at them. <laughs> Make her read them. I will then screenshot those, text them to Caitlin, and then make her respond. So there we go. That's how we'll. That's how we're gonna engineer that we one. Can, I, you know what? I'll respond to everybody's text messages next week on a live Instagram. <laughs> make you fucking read them and respond to them after what you've done here, the havoc you have wrought here. <sighs> God damn you. I know. I'm the worst. I don't understand how you can be okay with having these things in your brain. Because I'm how you so medicated. <laughs> uh, that I do get. I take my brain pills and mm-hmm. then I'm then I'm void of emotions. So. And then it's just like white noise. Yeah. It's just And I drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, that helps so, so. much. Look, I'm not saying it's healthy. No, no one's endorsing it. No, no, no. I don't endorse this in any way. But is it a reality? Yes. Yes. And that's what, you know, I'm just here to bring the harsh truths. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're known for. Just bringing that realness. I'm always just keeping it real, homie. Just keeping it one hundy. Just keeping it one hundy, baby. That's what we do here. I do what I do. <laughs> That's what we do here. Can we make keeping it 100 a shirt? Alex. Feels like a guy pod. Just keeping it 100. <laughs> oh. Well, despite yep. your very distressing interest mm-hmm. in weird things, I still love you. I still love you. Oh. And I, I love you for being a light in my life that Brings Thanks. positivity. Thanks. I try. I'm going to really try hard to do something that's a bummer next time. Yeah. I dare you. I'm not good at it because I, I don't want to read that. I know. I will try to do something nicer. We're going to do like a like a Freaky Friday. Ooh. Ooh. We're going to Freaky Friday switchies. For Halloween. Okay. Okay, well, did you have any interesting encounters? Um, seeing as how I barely left the house since we last talked, no. Yeah, I haven't really no either. Crazy encounters. Um, oh, I did see that like murder snow cone van again. 
Oh, that's upsetting. You should yeah. tell listeners about that band. Oh, we should post it on like a story or something. So yeah, there's this uh, very scary snow cone van that's been driving around my neighborhood. Uh, I've seen it a few times, but I saw it again this week. And it's like like a regular minivan, not like an ice cream truck minivan. Yeah, it is not a legit no air of ice creams and it's it, a minivan with like broken windows yeah it, it's missing like the entire back window and then like four other windows and then it has glued on gems around the borders and then uh it spells out snow cone many different ways on different sides of the vehicle mm-hmm and it's all bedazzled, which I'm normally all for, but this just looks like you're going to get murdered. Yeah, and isn't, like, the aren't the words on the minivan, like, those shitty, like, spray paint stencils yeah. you can get at, like, home? Yeah. Okay. So they're all at, like, different heights and, like, different It's <laughs> all uneven. It's all spelled different. It's It was shocking. And, like, when I drove past them, I could see... All they had was just a cooler, oh. like an igloo cooler in the oh, back. Definitely body parts in that. 100% body parts. I, yeah. There are no snow cones in there. there. It's not a snow cone van. And that really, really upsets me as a person with a great love of snow cones. Love them. I, I, I like to consider myself a connoisseur of the snow cone big fan here this person is bringing down good name snow cones yeah i don't trust like any kind of van but especially not that van yeah no as as young women we are taught to not trust vans never trust a van do not trust a van especially a a white van with no windows all a panel van Mm -mm. never this is good advice for anybody but especially for women do not ever park next to a van no, not Just ever. Don't in do your it. Life. I don't care if it's the closest spot to wherever you're parking and going to. Just yeah. don't. That park thing could at have least AT and T all over it. Not park it next no. to it. Park like at least three spots away. Oh, it's not safe. It's just a, not worth it. A utility van is not safe. Don't go near them. No. Sorry, utility van owners of America. Murderers vans are fucking creepy. Yeah. Sorry. No, don't it's like it. Just part of your territory. Yeah. You've got to deal with it. Not a fan. But I'm uh, really curious about the murder snow cone van. I am too. And there's no phone number. It's not like I can call them and be like, yo, what's up? I would like a snow cone, please. Yeah. And they should at least have a Twitter. Come on. <laughs> tweeters. You don't get on the tweeters, murder snow cone van. Uh, they could really have like a cool kind of like niche thing going on. But we'll yeah. never know. because Murder cones. Murder cones. <laughs> It's only flavors of red. It's just blood. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about it. And, you know, it's not a big deal. They, we don't need to ask them where they source their uh, their ingredients. Nope. Probably it's all from, <laughs> from uh, Carl Tanzler. <laughs> all local ingredients. <laughs> just don't ask where. From corpse to table. Man. Oh. Well, that, that was... That was another episode. That happened. That was a good one. Sorry. I'm really glad you enjoyed distressing me on air.
I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. You're like my favorite person. You're my favorite right. person. Okay, cool. Well, until next time, friends. Okay, goodbye. Be your fucking, fucking guy. guy. Score, that was awesome. Did we do that at the same time? <laughs> we did. Hell we're, yeah. We're getting better. <laughs> we're getting better at podcasting. Hopefully I don't fuck up the audio again.